Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. I really enjoy this uh, idea of Bible stories, uh, the, the, the stories of the Bible that we think we knew. So, yeah, as, as we grow up in church, and I'm sorry for those that just, um, I mean, you, you may be new in a church, and I may say something that you not understand exactly. Well, Pastor, I, you're speaking like I know what you're talking about, but I, I never read the Bible. Well, start reading your Bible. <laughs> That's the best ad- advice I give to you. It is a great book. And, and, and even if you read the Bible and re, re, hearing a lot of speakers saying uh, stories of the Bible, there always will be the aspect of the interpretation. Because none of us was there. None of us was there taking pictures, using our cameras, recording. I know that is what happened. No, nobody knows. We guess the best we can and, and understand the story. That's what the beauty of the Bible. No matter where the Bible is being used today, in every aspect, in every culture, in every language, they will speak to that generation. They will speak for those people. And will bring light for those lives. And, and that's what the beautiful about the Bible. Bible will be, always will be relevant for the time they're being read it. So today in our story, the one I pick, I'm sure some people already spoke about this passage here and had a different uh, ideas of what's going on. But uh, today I choose to speak about one aspect that God spoke to my heart about Elisha's life. So I have asked Dino to help me to read the passage, which I believe it is uh, on the monitors for you guys, First King chapter 19, and Dino is going to read for us these uh, verses. Okay, from First Kings chapter 19, verses 1 to 3. Ahab gave Jezebel news of all Elijah had done and how he had put all the prophets to death with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a servant to Elijah, saying, May the, God, may the God's punishment be on me if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he got up, fearing for his life, and went in flight, and came to Beersheba in Judah, parting there from his servant. Amen. So you see some of the words that are very hard to pronunciate. That's what I put him to be embarrassed, not me. (laughs) But you probably heard about the story of Elisha. Elisha is a great man of God. And for us, in order to understand what's going on here, we need to understand the context of this story. So if you're new in a church and never heard about this story, let me help you to understand what's going on here. Elisha was a great man, God raised in the time of a very dark time in Israel's life. Israel was walking away because everything runs and falls in leadership. Unfortunately, the leaders of Israel in the time of Elisha was walking away from God. Ahab and his beautiful wife Jezebel decide to lead the people to worship other gods, especially Baal. Baal was a very famous god in the time of Elisha. And when Elisha was raised by God to come and confront the situation of Israel, he, 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 he got the worst scenario. If you think our days is bad, think again. <laughs> bad times always exist. 
Church, we, we think, oh, okay, it's hard to speak about God in this generation. People don't care. People are so busy. Uh, they, they don't believe in It's always like that. What God needs a man, compromise with his word and the calling he has for your life. How many of you can say amen? Amen. That's all God needs. A man and woman that compromise with his word and the direction God gives to you. So Elisha is one of the men, the godly type in the time, with darkness in the Israel. And he was sent to Israel to, to bring some judgment. Because the Israel, and the nation of Israel, was seeking this Baal and other gods. And, and it was so funny because if you read it, the passage later, chapter 17, 18, 19, Baal as God, he was supposed to be the God of the rain and productive. So everyone that worshipped Baal was worshipping him because he was the God that provide for them. So Elisha was lived by God, and God told him, chapter 17, if you can later go back there. He, he told him, Elisha, go to Ahab and tell him a word. Tell him there will be no rain of Israel for a period of time. And, and, and if you understand the story, what's going on, that was a big thing. It's like you're going for someone that is a banker and tell, hey, listen to me. There will be no money in the bank. Are you crazy? <laughs> I control the money. I have the money. How come you come to me and say there will be no money? It's the same situation. Baal, was, as God, was supposed to be the God who controls the rain. God that brings the... the, the the rain over the land, and with that, all the productive of the land. So when Elisha was sent to Ahab, which is the king, and tell him, listen to me, I am, as a man of God, will tell you a word. Will be no rain over the land until I say so. That was the scenario that was going on here. And he disappeared for a while, and if you can read the story later, he uh, was hiding for a while, and God will take care of his life, because even him, based on the word he says, was suffering the situation, because there was no food, was as, as no water, there was no product, uh, produce on the land, will be no food for no one, including him. So God sent him for a widow, if you can see later, and God provide to him for her and everyone, and that house, by the time period of three years, maybe later, God spoke again to Elisha and said, look, go back now to Ahab and tell him they'll send the rain again. And he went back and told him, look, God told me now will be rain, just because he want to make a point here. He want to show Ahab that the Israel God, the God that Elisha served was the true God. That was the point. He was just want to show that who's the God in charge of everything, not Baal. But Jehovah. So he was sent there and told Ahab, Ahab, listen, God appears to me again. And now he told me there'll be a rain. So prepare yourself, prepare the land, because there'll be a big, big rain come over the land. So as they are in this um, new um, fighting, he decided to do something else also. He decided to challenge all the prophets, prophet of Baal. He told Ahab, I have something else to tell you. It's not only I prove to you that God is a God, because you see, when I say no rain will come, and no rain came for three years, and now I'm telling you that it will be a rain, and you'll see soon there will be a rain coming. 
I want to do one more challenge. Bring all the prophets that are, I'm the only one serve God here. And how many prophets do you have serving Baal? He said, oh, over 400. <laughs> Bring all of them here. Let's have a challenge. How many of you have the courage to face 400 men? Let me see you here. I'll bring you to my church. <laughs> Seriously. Now, do you know the, the, the big movie? You guys are going to have a great series here about movies, right? The 300s, the Spartans, right? A guy, oh man, one guy from that, that group was able to kill 300. That is amazing. But Elijah, even bigger. He was, he was facing 400, even more than 400. You say, bring all those prophets here. Let's have a challenge. And it was a challenge of a really uh, scary thing to do. He said, let's make an altar. Let's bring the two bulls here. And let's choose the bulls. Let's cut them in peace. Put them over the woods. And let's pray for our God. And the God that was respond with fire over the altar is the true God. Look what he was doing here is so powerful. He want to prove my God. The true God is not only the God of the waters, but He is only also, he also the God of the fire. How many of you follow me here? He's the God of everything, all the aspect of life. He's the God. He say, Let, let's bring the booze and let's put it over the altar and let's pray. And let's see who will respond our prayer with fire. And that's how what happened. That, 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 that's what the scenario was going on here before the, the Bible story that we just read in, in chapter 1 through and 3 of chapter 19. He says, let's pray. And they, they start praying, the Baal's prophet. They pray and pray. And, 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 and I don't know if you like, some of people think the Bible is a, it's a very dry book. But for me, the Bible is comic. I don't know if you can have this eye of see the Bible is comic. Because if you look in the chapter 18... Um, when the prophets of Baal was praying for Baal to listen, they even slammed their bodies, you know, with spears, because that's the way they do. They show sacrifice. And, and, and Elisha, and I, I'm sorry if I do here, and Pastor Caesar never see this. Don't tell him I did that. I believe Elisha was sitting like this, you know, like watching them. Oh, really? You guys are not loud enough. Come on, let's be louder. More, maybe Baal was sleeping. <laughs> he was laughing at them. Read it later. It's a comic, that passage. He was making fun of them. Come on, louder, louder. Baal is probably busy, right? He's taking a nap right now. What's going on? And nothing is happening. But then came the Elisha's turn. And he prayed. But before he prayed, he, he even decided to bring the situation even worse. But because he wanted to make a point. Follow me here. He want to make a point. He want to prove to the nation of Israel who's the true God. So he say, okay, before I pray, bring four jars of water and spray over the sacrifice. I mean, it is hard already to see fire over the altar, altar but wet, don't do that. You know, sometimes we, we want to prove God too much in our prayers, right? <laughs> I want to show these people who, who's my God. Okay, but don't, don't do that much. <laughs> too much. That is too much. If it was me, my faith is not that big. Seriously. I was like, okay, God, if you respond with fire, I'm okay with that. I don't need the water over the altar. But he was the true man of God. He has power over his life. And he decided to spray. Probably he was listening to God by the time he said, okay, I want to show these people. And he sprayed over 
water over it and even more. And the water was all over it. But when he prayed, God sent the fire. And you can read later in your Bible. The fire came and consumed everything. Man, seriously, by this time, it was enough to prove everyone that God is the true God. But some, how many of you know that for some people, never is enough? <laughs> you can prove as many you can, you can. You can show them God is a true God. You can give you testimony. You can share stories. You can prove. You can pray. You can, they can see miracles. And they still, okay, I don't know if I should believe in that. Maybe there's some magicians before, behind this. There was some, uh, some tricky in that. I don't know if I should believe. For some people, it's never enough. But, but by the end of this challenging, Elisha decided to kill. Because if they are not true God, and if you're not serving the true God and you're a false prophet, you deserve to die. And that's what he did. He killed all the 400 prophets of Baal. And then we come to the chapter 19, where we just read it and my brother just shared with us. And what I want to call your attention was the final part. If you, brother, can go back just for the final slide there. Okay, there. See, that's the part of the Bible we think we knew it. That's my point here. We think we know this story because someone that probably was not Elisha wrote this story. And based on what he saw, he described what's going on with Elisha's life, which is, he ran away because he was what? Fearing. Fearing. He was fearing. Fearing who? Jezebel. I told you the Bible is comic. <laughs> A guy that faced the king, the prophet, 400 prophet, was afraid of a female. I'm, guys, don't understand, misunderstand. I'm, I'm afraid of women also. My wife is here. <laughs> I know, I know. Don't, don't, um, don't get me wrong here. We should be afraid of women. Okay, honey? You know when your, woman, your wife calls you the full name, that's something wrong with you, right? Your first and last name, you're in trouble. So when Jezebel spoke, according to the one, the person that wrote the story, he was a fearing. He was afraid. And that's what the reason why he ran away. Because he was afraid to die. He was afraid of her. But if you continue the story, I think my next slide now, go ahead. One more. Verse number four. And verse number three, he ran away because he was afraid. He got away and he asked that he might die saying, it is enough now. That, that's Elisha speaking. That's his putting his heart to God in prayer. Oh, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Listen to me. You, th you think he, he, he want to die? Because if he want to die, he should stay behind and let Jezebel do her job. Right? You, you can get the story here. It's not making sense here. How come you ask to die if you run away for someone who's killed you? <laughs> Hello, just go back. Jezebel will kill you. So, neither he wants to die or he was afraid of her. And that's the part of the story that we're not getting here. You follow me? He's not afraid of 
her, and not either he wants to die. Something else, according to my interpretation of this, what's going on here? This man challenged 400 men. This man proved that God is God. This man shows everyone that the true God of Israel is Jehovah. But looks like nothing happened. Can you go for my next slide, please? Disappointment and frustration was the reason why Elisha ran away. Disappointment and frustration was the reason why he ran away. He was not afraid. He was disappointed. He was frustrated with the situation. Pastor, what do you mean frustrated? He disappointed with who and what? He was disappointed. Go my next slide, please. The nation remained the same. He was disappointed with the nation. He was disappointed with Ahab, the king. He was disappointed because he proved to them who is the true God. In my mind, it was, for, him, for him, it was supposed to be Jezebel. What? What are you talking about? Ahab should say. Why are you mad that he killed you 400 prophets? Why are you mad that this man came and bring us a word and no rain for three years as he says. And after three years he came back and told it will be a rain. And the rain came as he says. And he bring the fire over the altar as he says. And now you want to kill him? You got the point here? Nobody stepped. To help him. To be on his side. And maybe you're listening to me. You probably can understand this very clearly. When nobody steps with you in situation that you know you're right. That brings disappointment and frustration. And that may lead people to misread your life. Your story of your life. And people see you. Okay, do you know what? I'm done with this. And you walk away. And people say, he's afraid. He's a fake. He's a failure. He will miss the, the stories of your life based on what your behaves are after that. But probably you're like Elisha. You're disappointed. You're frustrated with the situation. I put some points here in my, 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 my notes. You lead someone to Christ, let's say for instance. And after some months, he's still the same. You guys... Have a beautiful vision for this church. Achieve 1,000 people from this area. But believe me, you're probably going to have to achieve 10,000 in order to get 1,000. How many of you knows what I'm talking about? Because we work hard in the people's life. We show, we prove, and we do, and we be with them, and we pray with them. They call us at nighttime. We dare for them. They go to the hospital. You dare for them. You prove, and you prove, and you prove. Days go by, and they go back to the same old life. And once again, like Elisha, you got disappointed and frustrated. And you ask God, do you know what? I'm done. Raise somebody else. I'm done. I'm working so hard for you. I did exactly what you want me to do. And look, this guy. Or you may, you think people are mature. And going forward, and they reveal they have been going back forward instead. 
How many of you know, have met people that go two steps forward and ten back? Huh? One. <laughs> I'm sorry if somebody here may uh, be offended what I'm saying. The way I'm preaching, I may sound offensive sometimes. But I call the Christians the most bipolar people of the earth. <laughs> Seriously. On Sunday, we, I surrender all. I surrender all. And Monday, we are looking back for those things. Okay, give me back, give me back, give me back, give me back. Hey, you just surrendered that Sunday. And now you're looking all for your junks again and bringing back to your life? Come on. Be one person, okay? You surrender, you surrender. So, in Christian's life, we'll see that. And this is nothing new. And may lead people to misread our lives also. The stories of our lives. Do you know pastors is the most frustration people of the earth? Especially Mondays. All the pastors won't quit Mondays. They want to give up. They say, forget a God. Raise another man. I'm done. I'm done. I did exactly what you told me to do. I listened to you, prepared the message, and I went there, and I spoke. People cry on the altar. They promise, and next Sunday, nobody show up. <laughs> In you guys' case, next Saturday. You know, it, it, that brings some kind of frustration in our, in our hearts. You work in areas for years, and after ups and downs, things appear the same. It is in this sense of unrealized expectation that can bring down God's most faithful servants. Have you ever felt that way? Disappointed with something God made you to do. And apparently nothing changed. Years and years of investment. And something looks the same. And the worst, people look at you. I think you're scared. You know what? You're not alone. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're not alone. You are in a great company. Elisha was with you. Great men of God was with you. So don't be disencouraged. And don't let what people think about you or what's going on with your life put you even more down. Let's lift up our heads today, okay? Let's face things the way God us wants us to face. So my next slide, please. How God treat, disappoint, and frustrate? Well, they have a, over here, I don't have the time. God has a, uh, the complete uh, setup for us as a human being. He has the physical aspect, which I'm not going to cover today. But if you can read in the story later... First thing God do, make us rest. If you read later, first thing God told him, okay, are you disappointed? First thing you need is a good nap. Don't do any decision in your life when you're tired. How many of you can say amen for that? Okay, go, go rest. Don't say a word when you're tired. You may say things you don't like later. So first thing God did with Elijah, you can read later chapter 19. When he ran away, he wanted to die, he was disappointed, he was uh, frustrated with the situation. God told him, Elijah, what you need is a break. Go rest. That's why I really believe once a week, uh, 
I heard this from a friend of mine, and it's a recipe I bring to my life. Laugh once a day, rest once a week, and disappear once a year. <laughs> That's the recipe for happiness. So laugh once a day, rest once a week, and disappear once a year. In 20 days, I'm going to disappear. <laughs> I'm, I'm going for my vacation. I need it. So, and when I go on vacation, I really turn off everything. It's my time to recover myself. Pastor needed, if your pastor don't take vacation, send him to vacation. Let him go. He needs the time to rest, to put his mind back in place. It is important to us. So, so they have this physical aspect. God told him, rest. Later on, eat. Drink something. Because your body needed the, the water and the food. Don't, don't try to avoid Because when you're disappointed, one of the things we, we try to get away of everything, including the most important basic things of our lives, which is food and water. And that's why if you re read the story, God is amazing. He treats the physical aspect later. Okay, let's target you're tired, you're hungry, you're thirst. Let's eat, let's drink. And then after that, God started dealing with the soul and the spirit. So what God did, how he treat after he take care of the body of Elisha? Well, first thing God want to show him. Just because things didn't happen the way he wants to happen didn't mean God was not working. Hello? Sometimes part of our frustration is because we have one expectation, but God has other ones. Sometimes because things didn't go the way we planned, we think God is not in control of this. Well, think, in, think with me. Elisha wished, in his mind, I believe it, every preacher, everyone that does something for God, you want to see results. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? You want to see results. You preach a message, you share something God spoke to you, you want to see people respond for that. Let's say you do a beautiful message and you do an altar call. You guys do an altar call here? Altar call? No? no? Sometimes? Okay. And you think, today God is going to use me. And you do an altar call. And nobody comes. <laughs> and you look and say, what's going on here, God? I swear, this, when you spoke to me, I felt like you're going to do something and nothing happened. Well, maybe didn't happen the time. But God's continued to speak in the heart of those that leave the place. You know, every time you come to someone's life, God is already working their lives before you show up. Hello? God is already doing something in the lives of someone you meet today, you're going to see today. He's already there. God is doing something in their lives. We are just part of this plan. But sometimes we think we are the answer. Elisha has this point that, okay, I guess, because he, if he got that much frustration because he thinks he will be the man. So when he spoke, when he, God used him with all the signs, everything he did, he thought the nation of Israel would turn to God and he would be the great hero. But God has a different plan for them. So just because something didn't happen the way we want, didn't mean God was not working. So the first thing God did is show him a different reality. Show him a different reality. Be faithful in what God commands you to do and accept the results the way they are. That's the first thing God do to help us 
to come back from disappointment. So maybe some of you guys have some disappointment in your lives right now. And part of that because you're not accepting reality the way that things are. You have some expectations. You did something that you wished to be in one direction. And unfortunately, went in another direction. And you think, oh, okay, God, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm disappointed. But God wants to show us. Frustration and disappointment are the best resolve when we accept reality in, our, in not our will. Second, God has other plans for Israel and for his prophet. Sometimes we think our plans is the best. Can you repeat with me? I know you probably guys don't do this. God's plan, God's plan. Is, better is better than my plans. You probably heard this. It's, 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 it's so many times. Oh, we say so. It's so many times we say that. Okay, God's plan is better than our plans. In Elisha's mind, the perfect plan will be a conversion of Israel, the nation of Israel, the king Ahab, his wife Jezebel, and everybody will be happy forever. That was the best plan. How, how can be better than that? God used me. And I proved them that God is the true God and everyone else got converted. Everybody surrendered to God and that is perfect. Well, in our minds, in our way of seeing things, yes. But God has different plans. Because Israel didn't turn to God at that point, that lead them to walk even worse and worse and worse away from God. Pastor, you tell me this is better? <laughs> Wait a minute. They went to captivity. They lose everything. And when they came back, the nation of Israel was everything except idolatry. They never went back to idolatry after that. So God needed to cleanse the cancer in their lives. And God knew experience will be not greater than this trial, this time of brokenness. They will face the nation of Israel years after that. Sometimes it's not experience what someone needed. What they need is a brokenness. It's really surrender. Sometimes we pray and we believe, okay, if God giving that sign over that person will be enough, they will believe, okay. They maybe will believe. But if, maybe, if they may lose everything, go to brokenness, to the deep of their lives, you'll be even better. Because when God raised them from there, they will never forget. They'll never forget. So God wants to show Elisha that sometimes the best plans is not our ways. It's his ways. And third, how God help us to understand and to recover from disappointment and frustration. Can you put the last slide, which is Chapter 19, verses 15 and 16. And the Lord said to him, to him who? Elijah. Go back on your way. Say with me, go back on your way. Mm. Through the wasteland of Damascus. And when you come there, put the holy oil, oil on Hazael to make him king over Aaron. Next slide. And on Jehu, son of Nishin, make him king over Israel. And on Elisha. Um, the son of Shabbat on Abel Melat to the prophet in your 
place. Well, third and last thing God do to help us recover from disappointment is telling us, go back to the same way. Go face things and the jobs and the tasks that I told you to do. You don't want to do it. So, do you know, when God places us to do something, you think walk away will resolve the problem? No. We'll make the things even worse. The plans that God has placed to you and me, God wants us to achieve, to complete. So he will tell, okay, you want to have your break? Go have your break. You need to re-rest, take your rest. You need to eat, take your rest. Okay. But now go back and do it. What I told you in the beginning to do it. Because run away from the problems will not help at all. Walk away from reality will not help at all. We take the time we need it. We recover ourselves. Reestablish our emotion, our body. But at some point, we have to lift up again and go do what God told us to do. So he told him, go back. It is so interesting, this story here. Because in the chapter 17, when Elisha told uh, the Ahab there will be no rain, and in the chapter 18, he went back, said, it will be rain. And he went to the, the, the mountain to pray. And he has a servant. And he was telling him, go back, see if it's an any rain come. And he went there, look at and come back again. He said, no rain. He prayed, prayed. He said, go back. Do you know what's so funny here? The same word that him in the position as the Lord was using to his servant, God using to him when he was dealing with him. Go back. He went there. No rain. Come back. Go back. Come back. Go back. So God said, oh, what, by the way, God is, I told you, the Bible is comic. What you told your servant when you're dealing with the rain thing? I, I told him, go back. Oh, okay. So you go back to you now to do what you're supposed to do. Go back. Don't run away from your problems. Don't run away from the things that disappoint you. Face it. Accept reality. See things in a God's point of view. And you know, may happen to you also. You may will face a great experience as Elisha faced in the end of his life. To see God coming and take you to Him forever. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.